lovely people. Welcome to the Psychology of Dating podcast. My name is Nadine Newkirk and I'm a clinical psychologist and dating coach. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about rejection and this will be part one. So this will be looking at being rejected and how to manage that. And then the next episode will be part two, which will be how to be the person who is doing the rejecting. Before we get into that, I'd like to introduce my free guide, which is called Top 3 Mindset Shifts in Dating. It's all about how to have reframes for key unhelpful beliefs that might be holding people back in dating. And it's about cultivating flexibility in thinking and seeing things from a different perspective. If you're interested in that, I'll pop a link in the episode show notes. So let's get into talking about how to manage being rejected. And this is a big one. It really comes up for most people if they're going into dating. There can be a really big fear of this. And if we think about rejection, the opposite to it is accepted. So when we're feeling rejected, we're feeling excluded, we're feeling like we're not accepted by someone or groups of people. There's a loss as well of something that we wanted. If we're feeling rejected, it means that there was some goal, some thing that we wanted to obtain, some person we wanted to stay in connection with, and there is pain about that, that we weren't able to have it. And fear of rejection can come up in a lot of different ways. So often it can overgeneralize and people can then have a fear of being rejected as a person as a whole, that if someone didn't continue a connection in one circumstance, it feels like this means that there's something fundamentally wrong with me, that I'm unlovable. Being rejected can trigger our core insecurities. So things that maybe you already were feeling a bit self-conscious about or unsure if people accept you might pinpoint this is the reason why they didn't continue, like I'm not attractive enough or I'm too needy or my laugh is funny. It could be anything that we try and pinpoint it on. Or you can try and look at the cause of one particular action that you did, that it could be a lot of overthinking about the situation, like it was this one text that you know broke the camel's back that it was this one thing I said that I shouldn't have said, and if I didn't do that, then it would all be okay. Or it could be thinking, I'm perfect. How could this person not want to continue with me? Like, if I'm perfect and they still reject me, then what does that mean about me? And all these thoughts, all these triggers of insecurities, of course, it's like, poking on a bruise that's already there. It's really, really painful. And the impact of this fear of rejection is that we can, one, make a lot of meaning from the connection not working. So our mind can fill in all the blanks. Our minds are very powerful. They can have a great imagination and think to the future, but they could also think that they can fortune tell, that they can read others' minds, that they can guess this is exactly what happened. And if we only have a small amount of facts, like someone has said, I don't want to continue anymore, and we weren't given any other information, we can fill in all the blanks that it's because of me for this, this, and this reason, it's because I did this action. 
we can make this meaning that therefore I'm never going to be loved by anyone or this was the last person where it could have worked out. We jump to these conclusions. And we will naturally have more of a negative lens if we've had that rejection, someone hasn't continued a connection. The reason for this is negativity bias keeps us safe. If I was going to pick mushrooms and there was 50 mushrooms and 49 were really safe to eat and delicious, but there was one poisonous one that could kill me, my mind would want to stick and remember that one poisonous mushroom rather than the pleasant ones. And it's the same in dating. That If we've had a dating experience, even if there could have been parts of the date that were pleasant, parts that were unpleasant, our mind will have that lens and can naturally focus on the unpleasant. So it will remember it didn't work out. It'll remember that it was hurt. It won't remember that I learned a lot in this connection or I pushed myself when I hadn't dated in a long time or I had practiced assertiveness skills or maybe this person actually said these really positive things about, you know, hanging out with me, that they really enjoyed it. But my mind will discount those and focus on the negative to try and keep me safe. This can make us more cautious. We can have a threat bias. So then the next time we go into a next date, our mind will be, when it predicts the future, it won't be thinking about all the pleasant, enjoyable, fun things that could happen in the connection and things I can learn. It will be thinking about all the worst case scenarios. So our mind will naturally be thinking of this can go wrong. I could hurt the person. They could hurt me. I might put a lot of effort in and nothing will ever work out. Fear of being rejected can also have a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy where we're so afraid of being hurt, and that can be emotional hurt as well, that we put up an emotional wall. So this is where we maybe don't share ourselves fully with someone. We don't, with enthusiasm, show our personality, or maybe we cautiously go on dates. We don't really text someone back consistently, or we only go on one date rather than, you know, in the next month, rather than we could consistently go on four dates. And this emotional wall means that we're actually limiting our chances to find someone who is a good match, who will accept us for our values, our stages in life, and they're similar to that. So we would, you know, want to hang out with them. We also might be only going so sporadically on dates that we don't get accurate amount of data. If I only tried one Thai restaurant you know, in six months, and that one Thai restaurant happened to be, you know, not my favorite food or not the right flavors for me, then I could just generalize and be like, see, I told you, if I eat out, if I have Thai food, then it's never delicious and it's never going to work out. Whereas if I had Thai food once a week for six months, I would learn there's a whole variety of different Thai foods that there's some which are more my cup of tea, some which I don't like as much, some which are the most delicious, amazing thing ever, and I would get that spread, that you know statistical spread. Whereas if we're only sporadically going on dates, we're only getting a skewed um, part of that bell curve. 
if we have that threat bias going into dating, then it feels like we've only got negative experiences building up because our mind will focus on that lens. It will focus on that meaning making. It will say, if a connection doesn't work out, then that means that this was bad, this was wrong. And the mind then builds up more evidence of, see, it just doesn't work if I do dating or see, I'm not good enough, or there's no good enough people out there. And this can make people then overanalyze every move. So you're putting over-responsibility on your shoulders that every action you take will exactly 100% influence the other person. And it's forgetting that actually we can be most effective from our side 50%, so we can show up with kindness, consistency, honesty, you know, the values that you care about, but we can't control the other person, that they've got their 50%. They've got their own thoughts, feelings, actions, and they come from a long history lifetime and generations before them that actually the reason they do their actions and the reason their brain thinks those thoughts or their body or nervous system has those feelings has very little to do with you. <laughs> It might feel personal because, you know, when they say something or do something, it is directly affecting you. However, their nervous system has been kind of imprinted. They've learned the, this pattern of actions and I'll think this thought when this thing happens based on their life experiences, their family history, you know, their upbringing, what they've encountered through workplaces and with friendships and, you know, the generations before them, their grandparents. It's a really long line, a chain of events. And sometimes we can oversimplify it and say, is 100% my action which caused them to do that? The other key thing we can do if we have that fear of rejection is have a ramp up of self-criticism. It's like someone's turned the radio station up on full blast and Self-criticism, the function of it, if it's trying to help us, it might sound strange, this part of us knows where you want to get to, knows your goals, knows that you want to get through life as much as possible, avoiding pain and seeking pleasure and having peace. And if we're encountering things in life that are unexpected, that are curveballs, that are roadblocks, this part of us is trying to say, hey, we want to get to our goals quicker. And it does so with that uh, punishment approach. So it's trying to shape your behavior to get you to get through life unscathed by having that a bit more of a critical um, negative lens, you know, like you shouldn't have done that or you're not good enough. Um, how could you have possibly thought that they would have liked you? This part of you is trying to say, oh, we can control everything. We can get through dating without pain, without other people feeling pain, without us feeling pain. And there's something that you've done which has caused that. Um, and the problem is, is that while this part is try to help you get to your goals, it is not the most effective. That we know if anyone's trained a pet or anyone's a parent, that positive reinforcement helps shape behavior and encourage people and motivate people to get to their goals much more effectively than punishment or criticism. And if we think about all the impacts of fear of rejection, that we have this threat bias, this negative lens, 
the function of this is all trying to keep you safe. It's all trying to say, we don't want to experience discomfort or pain. And that's a natural human instinct that we want to avoid that. If you touch a hot stove, naturally, you want to avoid that. And if we've experienced any discomfort in emotional pain or conflict or anything like that, it's a natural instinct of the nervous system to want to shy away from it. However, it's actually not the most effective because to get to our goals, to actually be kind to people, sometimes it's actually necessary and the most helpful thing that people feel some discomfort or uncomfortable emotions. It can be useful to also know the underlying reason why we have this threat bias or natural negative skew towards situations to keep us safe in social situations. So evolutionary-wise, we have an instinct to have a fear of social rejection. And this is because back in the day when we were cave people, when we were living in small villages, it was necessary for survival for us to be included in the pack that we didn't know how to, not everyone knew how to hunt for food or to build houses, that you couldn't take care of yourself if you were really sick, you needed other people around you. And this fear of rejection was really important because it meant that it kept you staying in line with that social group, that you would do anything to be accepted, to be included, so that you wouldn't naturally, you wouldn't die, that you wanted to actually stay alive and keep safe. And this fear of social rejection has been passed on through evolution, through our nervous system to have still that fear. And if we think about it, lots of us, I know on the show, um, if anyone's watched Alone on SBS, they throw people in the wilderness and they have to survive by themselves to gather food and build shelters and things like that. So some people there have definitely proven that they can survive alone, but most of us in modern day society don't actually have all those core skills of survival. And even if we did, sometimes you get sick or things happen and you need other people around. So we still have that fear of being rejected. And this comes about in dating as well. And if you think about romantic rejection, the origins of fear of that, that we wouldn't survive as a species if you know people didn't fall in love or have a connection or have children that if everyone decided they don't like each other and every person on the planet stopped having children, then we wouldn't continue as a human species. So saying all this, how do we manage those fears of being rejected and all the other implications it has? First of all, we want to be able to acknowledge and validate the feeling of being rejected. And remember that this is a normal human emotion. Just like happiness, sadness, fear, rejection is a core human experience and you are not alone experiencing this and this is a really common feeling to have when going into dating. Because you are having the feeling doesn't mean something's wrong with you or something's fundamentally wrong with all the things that you're doing, that this is an emotion that is signaling to you that something that you really cared about, you've lost. And we want to be able to feel this feeling, validate it, you know, tell ourselves it's okay to feel this, I understand you're hurt, 
this is uncomfortable and have some time to grieve the loss instead of, oh, this feeling's uncomfortable, I'm just going to squash it down and keep going on more dates or I'm going to completely go on no more dates anymore. We want to be able to build up tolerance to feel those feelings in the body. So to let yourself mindfully be with, is it tightness in your chest? Is it a physical pain feeling in your belly or your heart? What comes up for you when you feel rejected? We want to be able to expose ourselves to that sensation in the body that we don't have that automatic flinch to do anything to get rid of it, whether it's overthinking or over-distracting. We want to be able to notice it's an emotion, just like a wave, it'll come, it has its peak, and naturally every emotion in the body comes down. Even if I wanted to feel rejected 100% of the time for the rest of my life, it would be impossible. I would get a range of human emotions. I would at one point you know, laugh, I'd at one point feel sadness, I'd at another point feel angry, that emotions come and go like waves in the ocean. A barrier to letting ourselves grieve and feel rejection is secondary emotions that can come up, like shame or embarrassment. So secondary emotions are when we are interpreting our first emotion that we experience. And if we judge our first emotion, say, I shouldn't feel this, this is wrong, this is too uncomfortable, I can't handle this then we can get those, you know, fear of feeling rejected and we try and avoid that feeling even more. Or we feel embarrassed like, oh, am I such low self-esteem? Why should I feel rejected? And we want to take away those judgments and just let ourselves feel whatever our body is signaling to us. The next skill is to stick to the facts and notice the stories that your mind makes up. So when we have an experience that didn't work out, we can naturally have that negative lens, that overgeneralization. So someone has called us up and said, I've really enjoyed hanging out with you. It was really fun to meet you. And I'm not in the right place to be dating at the moment. And then we don't have any further information. We don't really know... Were they telling the truth? We don't really know what were other core reasons. Why aren't they in the right place? We don't know, was it something in our connection? Was it something in their personal life? You don't know that. And notice if your mind is trying to guess it, fill in the blanks. That as much as our minds love to think they're super powerful, we can't mind read We can't jump to conclusions. We just don't know. So reminding yourself, this is something I can't get an answer to. I don't know. And stick to the facts, exactly what happened, what did they say, and repeat it back to yourself without kind of embellishing words like, everyone always ends every date with me when it might have been the last two people did that. And the third person before that, you know, actually we ended the connection. So really stick to the facts, the neutral facts. Be aware then if your mind is also going to self-blame. This can be a common one if we've been rejected. 
And self-blame, the function of that, again, it's trying to keep us safe and it tries to make us feel like we have more control in situations. So if I blame myself and say, well, I'm just unlovable or I said the wrong things, it feels like I can just fix me and then I can go through life without pain. I can go through dating without pain. It kind of discounts the fact that there are big things out of our control. How other people act, circumstances, you know, chains of events, that butterfly effect. And it can be really helpful to remind yourself of this, that there are big things out of my control that I can only do my part one step after the other. Another skill you could use is reframing the experience, using it as a learning experience. So even if a connection didn't work out, were there things that you learnt? Maybe you learnt how to manage heartbreak. Maybe in that connection you built some assertiveness skills. You spoke up and it might have resulted in them ending the connection but it was worthwhile speaking up because you don't want to be in a partnership where you're feeling like you can't tell your true thoughts and feelings. Maybe you learnt that, you know, no matter what you do, as much hard as you try, you can't fully control someone else. And so reminding yourself, dating is also about those statistics. If I show up effectively, if I work on my 50% of what I can do in dating, I can't control that other 50%. You can also learn to build resilience. So a lot of people think of resilience as you just have it or you don't, but this isn't the case. Resilience is actually a skill that we can learn and build. So there's different qualities that have been shown to increase resilience in people. So this could be if someone has more flexible thinking. That is, instead of going to black and white, all or nothing, like it's always like this, every person is like that, that you can see the in-betweens, the grey areas. Sometimes it's like this, sometimes it's like that. That you can put things in perspective, see it in the larger context. Resilience can also come from the ability to problem-solve or be solution-focused. Okay, it didn't work out now. I'm really hurt. How can I care for myself in this time? And how can I put myself out there and put one foot in front of the other to go into the next dating experience? Focusing on self-care. If you haven't listened to it already, the five pillars for nervous system health, that is really vital. Exercise, sleep, social supports, diet, things like that. Having an open mind can help with resilience. The ability to be able to remember your own strengths. So counteracting that radio that only has self-criticism and reminding yourself of that we all come into this world with a toolbox of different skills and some will be our strengths, some will be things we'll work on and it's okay to have that mix. That means we're human. Using a little bit of humour. I definitely know, you know, Sometimes turning to a certain person, like whether it's your sister or a certain friend who can see the, you know, the humorous side in a situation could be useful at the right timing, of course. And lastly, to build resilience, 
You could look at how you frame success in dating. And again, I've done another episode on that. Um, thinking of every date, every connection as a stepping stone to where you want to get to. Even if that particular co- connection doesn't work out, you still gained and learned something and had an experience. And lastly, you could use being rejected, someone not continuing connection, as a way to help build exposure to the feeling of rejection. That the more we feel something and get used to it and know that we can recover, that it was painful or uncomfortable and I got through it, the less fear we have of it and then the less kind of extreme things we do to try and avoid that emotion. So, for example, if you find it really hard for people to say no to you or maybe be a bit disgruntled with you, if you took a sales job where you had to sell people things on the street or hand out flyers or cold call them, you'd probably get maybe a bit, a little bit of backlash. And the first time you did it, the first two, three people, it might be like, whoa, I can't believe so many people just ignored me or got a bit grumpy or said no. If you did that job every day for the next five years, you would get pretty used to the variation reactions that people had. You'd have that statistical data, you'd know, okay, it's just common no matter what I do. Some people will ignore me, some people will stop and smile, some people you know, will have their own emotional reactions, whether it's anger or fear or whatever it might be. And you'll take it less personally because you understand that People's reactions are actually more to do with them, that you've been consistent the way that you've handed out those flies every different person. But even though you're doing the same thing, people have their different reactions because they have their own thoughts and feelings and beliefs. Okay, everyone, I hope this episode could be useful to you. And if you enjoyed it, then stay tuned for part two of the theme of rejection. And I hope you have a lovely day or night wherever you are.